is Caleb with the Lawrence County Public Library Genealogy Podcast. It is November 24th, 2020, and today I will be covering Howard Farmer Skaggs. He is a local veteran that uh, we were recently given a collection of his letters that he wrote to his mother. Uh, He was a German POW for a while, and we have some of the letters that he wrote to his mother while he was a POW. I'm working on getting all of the letters in order. Um, I'm trying to try and transcribe some of them, but the focus of it right now is getting them all in order. And they'll hopefully be on our website um, here shortly as a collection that you can browse. The letters were given to us as a donation, and instead of keeping them, we felt that they belonged in the hands of Howard's relatives. So we'll be giving those back to the family once I'm finished scanning everything in and getting everything in order. Um, There's still some letters that I have on my computer that I'm not really sure where they fit in yet. Um, I'm using context clues and reading through the letters and trying to see when exactly they need to be placed in the collection. Um, A lot of the letters came to us not in their envelopes. So I've tried my best to match up the letters with the envelopes based on some of the letters actually have dates written on them. So I can say, okay, this came from Camp Crowder. Uh, This has a date on it. Here's an envelope from Camp Crowder with a date the same day or the next day. More than likely, these two are paired together. So I try to keep everything together. Um, Some of the letters make references to events that have just happened or are going to happen in a couple days. So I can go through and look at some of the other letters to see if that event happened or if there's anything mentioning of it. And I can say, okay, this letter that I don't know when it takes place should be before this one letter where I know when it took place. It's it's not perfect. Um, It's not going to be 100% accurate. I'm trying to do it as accurate as I can. But hopefully I'm able to get most of it complete. Um, I may do a separate section on the website or on the same page that has the letters saying these letters are not placed in the above timeline of letters. Uh, These are still being worked on, but they're here for you to read. The following comes from the Lawrence County History Book in an article titled Howard F. Skaggs, number T97 on page 91. Howard F. Skaggs, born at Martha, Kentucky, 15 March 1920, son of Ford and Nola William Skaggs. Graduated high school in 1938, entered service at Fort Hayes, Ohio on 27 July 1942. After basic training at Camp Crowder, Missouri with Signal Corps, went to radio school at Camp Davis, North Carolina, then to Fort Eustis, Virginia, for further training. I was next with the anti-aircraft artillery, Camp Hahn, California. This unit was dissolved. I was then sent to Camp Carson, Colorado for infantry training. Next to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, to join the 397th Infantry Regiment, Company F, 100th Division. From there to Camp Kilmer, New Jersey, Port of Embarkation. On October 5, 1944, left Camp Kilmer with duffel bags weighing in excess of 100 pounds. 
Our knees buckling, sweat pouring down our spines, we stagger towards the ferry with loads heavier than many of us weighed to cross the Hudson to New York to our ship, the George Washington, one of four ships carrying the 100th Division. On October 6, 1944, with 10 other ships, a destroyer, and four destroyer escorts, a total of 13, 189 enlisted men with more than 800 officers, headed for the open sea for a 15-day trip on very rough waters to the Mediterranean port of Marseille, France. On November 5, 1944, we moved to the front in unceasing rain and snow, living in foxholes filled with muddy cold water, stamping our feet to restore circulation, moving toward German winter lines in the Vogue Mountains and the Maginot Line. After six weeks of heavy combat and sub-zero temperatures at Rimbling, France, 30 men of Company F were cut off from the rest of the company and were captured by the Germans, January 9, 1945. This was written by Howard Farmer Skaggs himself. The next article in the book is titled, The Story of My Capture. January 9, 1945, Rimbling, France. One pitch dark night while on guard duty near Rimbling, France, from my foxhole I heard German soldiers and tanks coming over a hill towards me. I could barely see, but the extreme noise from many tanks and screaming Germans made me understand my only chance was to move on. I made my way off this hill, alone, to an abandoned house in the edge of the village. Here I remained till the Germans circled around and came down the main street toward the house where I was hidden. I stayed till they got to the house, then ran to a back window which I knocked out, jumped through and ran down a street till I came to an American jeep parked in front of a building. I went into this building, which happened to be our company headquarters. Luckily for me, others of my company were there. That night, the Germans took their tanks away, leaving their soldiers there in the town. The next morning, I watched from this house the Germans set up a machine gun across the street from us. The Americans captured a great number of these Germans and sent them back as prisoners. There I learned that there had been 12 tanks and 200 German soldiers in the attack the previous night. These Germans told us of a much bigger attack that was planned for the next night, which we found to be true. We were walked to the top of the snow-covered hill overlooking Rimling, where several German tanks were parked. We were made to lay down around the tanks which were being fired upon by our American artillery. I was hit by shrapnel, but not seriously injured. Since we were not killed by our own artillery, they took us across a snow-covered mountain where German soldiers on snowmobiles were patrolling. From there, we were taken to a house where we were interrogated. After much questioning, they took all of our belongings of any value. From this house, we were taken by trucks to an abandoned German army camp where we spent the night. The next morning, we were loaded onto a train in a crowded cattle car where many more soldiers who had been captured were transported. This was very bitter cold, zero winter weather, and we were moved by this train for five days and five nights with no food or water. We were allowed out of the cattle car one at a time to relieve ourselves down by the Rhine River. As we marched down a street of Frankfurt to the riverbank, we were spit upon by the German people along the street. We were then reloaded to travel the rest of the journey to Bad Orb, Germany. We were then walked to the top of a hill to Stalag 9B prison camp, where thousands of prisoners were already incarcerated. I must tell you, the other times we relieved ourselves on this train was beside the door. If this had not been zero weather, sanitary conditions would have been almost unbearable. This train traveled by night and was parked on a siding during daylight. The guards at the gate said, With your conditions, you may last six months. It is a slow process to death. 
For bed, we had a very small amount of Excelsior on the floor with a thin blanket over it. For food, we had to divide into groups of eight men. This group had one steel helmet and one spoon to share for eating. Each morning, we had boiled bark water to drink from the helmet. At noon, a few small ladles of soup were put into our helmet to share. It was very thin with little food value to it. At evening, we were given one loaf of bread, which we cut into eight pieces, and sometimes, not often, we had a small spoonful of marmalade. When spring came and I could find dandelion roots, I would cook them in an old tin can I had found. I believe the strength from these dandelions saved my life. Our group received one one-man Red Cross package while I was incarcerated. This we divided among the eight of us. The camp conditions were unbelievably unbearable. We were covered with body lice. We wore the same dirty clothing the entire time, but we were deloused twice. Then we were allowed to take a bath under a cold shower with no soap. This bath was very weakening. For heat in our large building, there was one wood-burning stove in the corner. For heat in our large building, there was one wood-burning stove in the center. Only two armloads of wood each day were allowed to be burned in it. The building was always cold. We saw men being carried out each day, dead. I will never understand how I survived except for the fact that I was liberated before I had to stay the six months. I had lost more than one-fourth of my body weight and was so weak I had to be assisted to walk upstairs. One of my worst experiences during my months of captivity happened after a German guard was killed in the mess hall one night. The next morning, all prisoners were taken out and made to stand in lines in the snow. The guards were trying to determine who had committed the murder by examining our clothing for blood. When they didn't find blood, they began counting off, preparing to shoot some of us. Their reasoning was that after killing 15 or 20 of us, someone would confess. Finally, our interpreters persuaded them to let us go back inside and then help find the guilty person. This they did. A man from another barracks had killed the guard for food. He was taken away, but we never knew. Another very scary experience for us happened on the day in which it was a little warmer, so we had gone outside the barracks. A German plane and an American fighter plane got into a dogfight over our camp. Bullets hit the ground all around us as the planes flew back and forth and strafed us. I know of only one prisoner who was killed in this attack. One late afternoon during the first week of April, I heard the sounds of small arms being fired, which I recognized to be American guns. Later, the German guards came to our barracks and told us that the American troops were close by, and they asked us to tell the troops when they came in that we were all being treated well by them and that they would like to be taken prisoner by the Americans. A large white suit of underwear was tied to a pole on top of a building near the gate to denote their surrender. The next morning, I saw the tanks of 1st Cavalry Division roll through the barbed wire fences, but there were no Germans to be seen. They seemed to have left the camp the night before. The next step in our release from this POW camp was the order of removal, the weakest being taken away first. We were given sea rations and were removed as fast as transportation was available. My turn came about four days later. Very sick from trying to eat after months of starvation, I was taken by truck to a mobile bath unit near the town of Bad Orb. We removed our filthy clothing and tossed them into a fire, then for our first bath, after which we were splayed for lice. After this delousing, we were given clothes. By the time my turn came, all coats were gone, so I left by plane for Camp Lucky Strike, France, wearing a blanket for a coat. After several days at Camp Lucky Strike and plenty of cooked food to regain some strength, we were sent to La Havre to board the John Erickson, a hospital ship, for a trip across the English Channel to Liverpool, England.
There we were picked up by a group of USO show people who furnished us entertainment during our voyage to New York. I was very ill during this 15 days at sea. The thrill of seeing the Statue of Liberty on our arrival is one I'll never forget. From the New York Harbor, I was sent to Camp Kilmer in New Jersey. After a few days to gain more strength, I went to Cap Atterbury in Indiana. Then I was furloughed to my home in Martha, Kentucky for a 30-day leave. My family had previously been notified that I was MIA, then months later, that a group of POWs had been released and that there was a possibility that I could be one of this group. Otherwise, they knew nothing until I walked in my mother's front door for a surprise happy reunion. From my home, I went by train to report in Miami, Florida for 30 days of rest and relaxation. From Miami, I reported to Fort Benning, Georgia as a radio man for a tank training company. I was discharged December 7, 1945 at Fort Knox, Kentucky, having earned the American Theater Ribbon, Good Conduct Medal, World War II Victory Medal, European African Middle Eastern Theater Ribbon with two bronze SV stars and have since been awarded a POW medal. I returned to the same possession with Ashland Oil Inc. that I had before my service duty, with whom I stayed until my retirement, March 1985, with 46 years of service, production, and exploration foreman. I am now enjoying life with my wife, Arlene Burton Skaggs, to whom I was married in October of 1945, taking care of my farm and my herd of polled Hereford cattle, an active member of the Elizabeth Baptist Church of Martha and Bluegrass Chapter No. 1 XPOWs. I also enjoy attending reunions of my 100th Infantry Division and especially seeing my friends of Company F and Stalag 9B by Howard F. Skaggs. One of the first letters that we have that Howard Farmer Skaggs wrote to his mother was dated May 29th of 1943. The letter reads, Dear Mom and Frida, Frida being his sister, Well, here I sit now on my bunk with nothing to do. I just got my travel pay, $8.50. I guess I'm in the Army now, even though I almost failed on the account of my foot. If I had a storied a little, they would have anyway, but I guess the truth always pays. The doctor marked my papers for limited civics. Don't know how it will turn out yet, but don't worry. Looks like we will have to stay in this weekend. They won't let us out without our uniforms, and the sergeant said we wouldn't get them until about Tuesday. Mom, I hope you're feeling better now. Did you go back to the doctor? Well, do and take care of yourself. Don't worry about me, for I'll be all right and be back home with you someday before long. How is Janola? Guess she is well and as mean as ever. Don't know how long I will be here, but I'm putting an address on the corner of the envelope. You can write me, and maybe I will be here long enough to get it. You notice I put the baby's name with yours? Maybe she won't get mad. Write me. Love, Howard. We actually have a few letters that Howard wrote to his mother when he was a POW. Uh, he was taken by the Germans when he was in France. This is dated February 2nd, 1945, and it is on a kind of like a postcard with German writing on it um, that was given to the POW so they could write to their families. Dear Mom, how is everything today? I'm doing okay. Guess that is sufficient. Just another card. There isn't much news. Hope I can hear from you before long. I'm praying that you'll be all right when I return. Don't worry about me. Tell the girls hello. Love, Howard. Another postcard similar to the other one is dated March 6th, 1945. Dear Mom, here it is March. Guess I'll soon be a year older. Time sure goes fast. 
I'm all right, and I'm praying you are the same. Just keep your chin up and pray for this war to end, and I'm sure I'll be home before too long. Tell the girls I think of them with all of my love, Howard. The front of this says that it was received May 10th, 1945. So from the time it was mailed to the time it was received is about two months. One letter dated April 18th of 1945 is from when Ford was able to write to his mother after he had been uh, liberated by the uh, U.S. Army. Dear Mom, Well, Mom, the thing happened I've been waiting for. You probably have your telegram by now, and know I'm a free man again and back with the Americans. You don't know how happy I am. By the time you get this, I hope to be in England or France, and you know next will be the good old USA. I'm hoping you are okay. I can't wait to see you. So don't worry. We have everything to be thankful for. The Red Cross was here today, and right now I'm a little sick from overeating. Believe me, it sure was good to see an American girl again. There isn't much I can tell you except I'm okay every way. Take care of yourself, and I'll be seeing you soon. With lots of love, Howard. Included in the letters is a telegram from the Western Union. Uh, the telegram reads, Mrs. Nola M. Skaggs. It is dated April 24th of 1945. The Secretary of War desires me to inform you that your son, Private Skaggs Howard F., was returned to military control 2nd April 1945. J. A. Ulio, the Adjutant General. There is another uh, Western Union telegram dated April 26, 1945. Mrs. Nola M. Skaggs. The Chief of Staff desires me to inform you your son, Private First Class Howard F. Skaggs, is being returned to the United States within the near future and will be given an opportunity to communicate with you upon arrival. Also from J.A. Ulio, the Adjutant General, dated 7.55 a.m. One of the more interesting letters was written by Howard to his sister, Frida, on July 13, 1943. The letter reads, Dear Frida, well, I'm still here at Crowder, which is Camp Crowder in Missouri, but guess I'll be leaving soon. I've got a little business deal for you. Here it is. I loaned James R. Bevins $10 just before I left Lexington, and it was the last of it. He's in the Army, and I have his address where he was in North Carolina. I don't know where he is now. You might write to him and see if he is still there. If not, his mother lives at Grundy, and his grandfather lives at Goaty, Kentucky. Maybe they would give you his address, and if they will write him and try to get it, and if he won't pay, then try to collect it from his grandpa or mother. His grandfather raised him, and from what he said, he had some money. I don't give a damn how you get it, just so you collect, and if you want to try to get it, I'll give you half. That is more than I usually give my collectors, but you being just a beginner, I'll give you a break. What you say? Well, I guess you'll give it a try, won't you? And I think you'll make a good one with a little assistance from Mom. Here's some pictures we took the other day. They're really not very good, and some weren't good at all. I'll send you my address as soon as I get there. Love, Howard. I was looking online for more information about Howard Skaggs, and I found an entry for him on a website called Find a Grave. 
Uh, Find a Grave is a great resource if you are looking for cemeteries or just places where people are buried. Um, people are able to go to the website, upload photos of headstones, transcribe the photos, um, post memorials about people. If you're doing any kind of genealogy resource, or re if you're doing any if you're doing any kind of genealogy research, uh, Find a Grave is a great resource to use. On Howard's page on Find a Grave, somebody has included his obituary. Howard Farmer Skaggs, 89, of Martha, Kentucky, died Saturday, September 26, 2009, at 3.45 a.m. in Three Rivers Medical Center in Louisa after a short illness. He was born March 15, 1920, in Martha, Kentucky, to the late Ford K. and Nola Williams Skaggs. He was a member of Elizabeth Baptist Church and worked as a production foreman supervisor and farmer for Ashland Oil. He was also a lifetime member of the VFW DAV, served with the Army in World War II, and was a member of Bluegrass Chapter No. 1 of POW 100th Division Infantry. He is survived by his wife, Arlene Burton Skaggs of Martha, Kentucky, a nephew, Sam Kingsmore of Louisa, Kentucky, three nieces, Karen Kennedy of Lexington, Kentucky, Janet Beckelheimer of Louisa, Kentucky, and Elizabeth Bratcliffe of Ohio, and several great nieces and nephews and cousins. Funeral services will take place at 2 p.m. Tuesday, September 29, 2009, at Young Funeral Home Chapel in Louisa. Reverend Emmett Barker, Reverend Buck West, and Reverend Donnie Sturgill will officiate. Burial will be in Greenlawn Cemetery in Louisa. Friends may call from 4 to 8 p.m. Monday at Elizabeth Baptist Church in Martha, Kentucky, or from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Tuesday at the Funeral Home Chapel. While doing some more research on Howard Farmer Skaggs, I was able to find his registration card, his DSS Form 1, when he registered for the service. Something I found interesting was his telephone number. Two longs and one short, and it was on the party line. If you're familiar with David Chico Prince, who I interviewed for the podcast a few episodes ago, uh, one of his songs that he has under the alias laid-back country picker is the party line. His employer's name and address was Ashland Oil and Refining Company of Ashland, Kentucky. The name of the person who would always know your address was Mrs. Nola Skaggs, his mother. The letters that we have from Howard were written to Mrs. Nola Skaggs. So that brings this episode of the Genealogy Podcast to a close. Hopefully you all enjoyed hearing about Howard Farmer Skaggs and a little bit about his life and in his own words about when he was captured as a German POW. Uh, the next episode for December, I'm hoping to do it on the family traditions that we have and things that we did with our grandparents when we were younger. Um, and I'm hoping to tie this in with our historical cookbook collection and hopefully get some really good cookie recipes off of you all. But you'll have a great day. Uh, if you don't have any questions, my email address is Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, at lcplky.org. Or give me a call at the library at 606-638-4497. Thank you. You all have a great day.